passes to India, Chapter 8, Part 4. Ending. Presently, Adela said, You heard me tell Aziz and Godbali I wasn't stopping in their country. I didn't mean it, so why did I say it? I feel I haven't been frank enough, attentive enough, or something. It's as if I got everything out of proportion. You have been so very good to me, and I meant to be good when I sailed. But somehow I haven't been, Mrs. Moore. If one isn't absolutely honest, what is the use of existing? She continued to lay out her cards. The words were obscure, but she understood the uneasiness that produced them. She had experienced it twice herself during her own engagements, this vague contrition and doubt. All had come right enough afterwards and doubtless would this time. Marriage makes most things right enough. I wouldn't worry, she said. It's partly the odd surroundings. Hugh and I keep on attending to trifles instead of what's important. We are what the people here call new. You mean that my brothers are mixed up with India? India's? She stopped. What made you call it a ghost? Call what a ghost? The animal thing that hits us. Didn't you say, oh, a ghost, in passing? I couldn't have been thinking of what I was saying. It was probably a hyena, as a matter of fact. Oh, very likely. And they went on with their patience. Down in Chandrapur, the Nawab Bahadur waited for his car. He sat behind his town house, a small unfurnished building which he rarely entered, in the midst of the little court that always impoverishes itself round Indians of position. After if turbans were the natural product of darkness, a fresh one would occasionally froth to the front, incline itself towards him and retire. <coughs> he was preoccupied. His diction was appropriate to a religious subject. Nine years previously, when first he had had a car, he had driven it over a drunken man and killed him and the man had been waiting for him ever since. The Nawab Bahadur was innocent before God and the law. He had paid double the compensation necessary, but it was no use. The man continued to wait in an unspeakable form, close to the scene of his death. None of the English people knew of this, nor did the chopper. It was a racial secret communicable more by blood than speech. He spoke now in horror of the particular circumstances. He had led others into danger. He had risked the lives of two innocent and honored guests. He repeated, If I had been killed, what matter? It must happen sometime. But they who trusted me? The company shuddered and invoked the mercy of God. Only Aziz held aloof because a personal experience restrained him. Was it not by despising ghost that he had come to know Mrs. Moore? You know, Nureddin, he whispered to the grandson, an effeminate youth whom he seldom met, always liked and invariably forgot. You know, my dear fellow, we Muslims simply must get rid of these superstitions or India will never advance.
How long must I hear of this savage pig upon the Marabar road? Nureddin looked down. Aziz continued, Your grandfather belongs to another generation and I respect and love the old generation, as you know. I say nothing against him, only that it is wrong for us because we are young. I want you to promise me. Nureddin, are you listening? Not to believe in evil spirits and if I die, for my health grows very weak, to bring up my three children to disbelieve in them too. Nureddin smiled, and a suitable answer rose to his pretty lips. But before he could make it, the car arrived, and his grandfather took him away. The game of patience up in the civil lines went on longer than this. Mrs. Moore continued to murmur, red ten on a black nave. Miss Quested to assist her and to intersperse among the intricacies of the play details about the hyena, the engagement, the Maharani of Madhkul, the Bhattacharyas and the day generally, whose rough desiccated surface acquired as it receded a definite outline, as India itself might, could it be viewed from the moon. Presently the players went to bed but not before other people had woken up elsewhere, people whose emotions they could not share and whose existence they ignored. Never tranquil, never perfectly dark, the night wore itself away, distinguished from other nights by two or three blasts of wind, which seemed to fall perpendicularly out of the sky and to bounce back into it, hard and compact, leaving no freshness behind them. The hot weather was approaching.